But I want you to understand how wicked he is. How wicked he is. And how wicked this system is. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery. One day when the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Because the Black Lives Matter movement emerged under a black president, black attorney general, and black homeland security, and they couldn't deliver, you see. So that when you talk about the masses of black people, the precious poor and working class black people, poor and working class brown, red, yellow, whatever color, they're the ones who are left out and they feel so thoroughly powerless, helpless, hopeless, then you get rebellion. And we've reached the point now, it's a choice between nonviolent revolution, and by revolution what I mean is the democratic sharing of power, resources, wealth, and respect. If we don't get that kind of sharing, you're going to get more violent explosions. America's chickens coming home. Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Welcome to Our Common Ground. Thank you so much for being with us. Hola, El Michelle and Alpha in the chat room. I hope you all are well. Um, we may have some interruption if you hear me go to a music flow. That's because I live in the land of the sky falls every day, every night. It's okay. 
I am well, and I hope that you are well. I hope your family and your friends have been staying safe. I want to welcome my good friend, long-time friend, lifelong friend, uh, Greta Holm, uh, uh, from um, a long visit to the hospital. And uh, I have missed her so much, and I hope that she is listening, and I am so excited and pleased and relieved that she is back home safely, and we wish her a very, very speedy back to the 100%. Also, um, as we come into... This episode of Our Common Ground tonight, uh, the report tells us that there are 7 million, 7.73 million cases of COVID-19 that is caused by a coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2. There have been in this United States 214,000 deaths. This week there were an additional 915. I'm sorry, today there were uh, an additional 915. The top five Cases are found in California at 851,000 cases, 16,000 deaths. Texas, 826,000 cases, 16,957 deaths. Florida, 729,000 cases, 2,908 cases this week. In Florida, and there have been 15,185 deaths. In New York, 478,000 cases. There have been an additional 1,593 cases uh, reported uh, this today, and 32,975 deaths, eight additional deaths reported today. And the fifth highest um, caseload is Illinois with 320,000. And this week there have been an additional 2,776 cases reported. And total 9,234 deaths with 34 today reported. Worldwide, there have been 37 million cases. Compare that to 7,7.73 million in America. And there have been 1 million point zero seven deaths worldwide and in America we have two we share two hundred and fourteen 
thousand of those. That is the, I mean, a, a lot of people still are not sure um, about this, but I want to highlight and I want to remind you that older adults and people who have severe underlying medical conditions like heart or lung disease or diabetes seem to be at a higher risk for developing more serious complications from COVID-19 illness. And in this country, we are trying to um, downplay that. Uh, Well, this administration is attempting to downplay that. Um, As of October 5th, the CDC is predicting as a forecast that 2,800 to 6,800 new COVID deaths will probably occur by the end of this month. The forecast uh, by the CDC predicts that 224,000 to 233,000 total COVID-19 deaths in the United States by October 31st. It is dire. And people, I I think in a way, and I don't know, and tonight is open mic night. And so I think in a way, and I'd like to hear from you uh, at 347-838-9852, which is our call-in and listen line, uh, are, are we getting lackadaisical about uh, the way in which we're managing our safety precautions in in this country. And that is the reason that we are seeing an upturn across the nation um, uh, for cases. Um, I, I'm not sure if we are... I'm hoping that nobody who listens to this program is listening to what's coming out of the White House. Um, And we are certainly open to your comments about the slew of sludge that's coming out of the White House since the uh, President of the United States, who is illegally occupying that space, that um, he has really become so unhinged that the U.S. House of Representatives, um, the majority leader, Nancy Pelosi, uh, has been talking about a constitutional amendment around uh, the, the, the well-being how we measure the well-being of the president. And we can talk about that, too, at 347-838-9852. If you'd like to join us in our chat room, you can do that. And people have been sending me lots of email about how difficult it is. And But I think what's happening is that you're registering, you're getting your username, you're getting your password, and you're trying to get in and you don't see the chat room. There are two things that have to be there. One, you have to have on your browser the appropriate uh, 
exchange code, like flash. The other is that you have to go all the way down to the bottom to see the chat room. Um, but we certainly invite you to take some of these front row seats. But if you're listening on your uh, smart device, you can just call us at 347-838-9852. You won't be able to see the chat room just by calling in. So we welcome you. We thank you. Uh, we wish you well in managing what needs to happen around uh, this COVID-19 pandemic that we are still experiencing. You still need to wear your mask. You still need to practice social distancing. Um, And at this point, if you live in Florida, you live in the top five states. I would also suggest that you add to your uh, protective gear a face shield, especially if you are going into... Uh, a supermarket, or I'm hoping you're not going into the department store, but if you're going around people where you're not sure you're going to be able to manage uh, the social distancing practice, um, so it's it's been a it's been a it's been a tiring week politically, uh, tiring, exhausting, um, it, Angry, I, I know that I have been angry, but I do want to share with you something um, because um, um, retirement is a whole new, different environment, um, and um, the isolation for protecting myself from COVID-19 is really tiring. But um, I'm, I want to send out, and I doubt uh, that any of the family, but I lost a very, very close friend on Thursday morning. Um, and, and I'm feeling very sad about it. Uh, uh, it was a deep loss for me. And... Um, um, and and she was a, a, um, a regular listener to this program. But about 23 years ago, I met a young woman who was uh, about 18 years old. And um, she looked like she was 12, but she was 18. And um, as always, um, I return kind exchanges with kind exchanges. I got to know her. Um, She was uh, a young woman who was very pregnant when I met her. And, And I found it kind of... Uh, she she looked so young. She looked like she was 12, but she was um, uh, 18, 17, 18. And I just, you, you know how you meet people and you just fall in love with them? Well, when I had an opportunity to hire her into my department, I did, and we became very close. She was um, 
I was as close to her. We regarded her as our daughter. We regarded her as family. I was her mentor, her colleague, her mother, and sometimes her grandmother. And she was my daughter and my love. And uh, we lost her on Thursday morning. Uh, She leaves a husband and three children uh, and a grandson. And it has been a profound loss for me. Um, I'm talking about Luz Vesquez. And, um, you know, when you retire, you miss a, uh, you, you miss the, the, the activity, you miss the noise of working. But when I retired, I missed her. Um, um, and, but she, I watched her. I loved her through becoming a, a pregnant teenager to becoming a woman who understood about mothering, who understood about how important children and family and her man were in her life. I watched her becoming. I held her hand becoming. Uh, and I was have been in the last years amazed at her becoming, and now she's gone. Um, losses of kind people, beautiful people in your life uh, are, are just hard, and I wanted to share that with you. Uh, the people that I love, Alpha and El Michelle and India and Greta and Cynthia, um, outside of my immediate family. I mean, I'm I'm a person who knows how to love, and I love deeply and easily, and I know who to love. And I think it's a a, a life spirit that we we all have to have. Um, I can't go to Massachusetts. Um, um, I mean, you would have thought six years ago when Luz and her new husband bought a house, something she told me two years before. Oh, we don't have enough money. Oh, it's never going to happen. Oh, I don't know if I can buy a house. I don't know moved into her beautiful home in Rhode Island, making the decision, we can't afford a house in Boston, but we can afford a house in a little town in Rhode Island, and I just have to take the commuter rail, the commuter train. I mean, having a young person that when you first, you know, it's like your kid going into uh, adolescence and, and they make stupid choices. And watching her move from that to where she was. And I cannot tell you how heartbroken I am that I have been grandmother to her children. Aaliyah, who graduated from high school in May. 
a daughter. I I I, I just um, I'm very heartbroken, and I I I don't know. We we have to think about um, loss and gains in this life, and that there are some things that are more important, just more important. Uh, She wasn't ill. It was very sudden. It wasn't COVID. Um, And I'm just trying to put my hands around it. I'm just trying to put my hands around it. My heart, uh, my head around it. Um, So I... Um, gonna need some help up in here to uh, talk about what we need to talk about tonight because we need to talk about a, a lot of things. And I've added something to the agenda for tonight. Um, this whole issue of of, of of Blexit, and we're gonna talk about that. But I do want to talk about another kind of safety issues that we need to talk about. Um, White supremacy groups have been around throughout the history of the United States. And they generally, according to the Department of Justice reports and and Homeland Security, operate pretty clandestinely. Um, in an attempt to avoid the attention of law enforcement and the media. What the Department of Justice reports and the Homeland Security uh, reports on white supremacy extremism does not do is it does not help us understand the extent to which these that people in law enforcement and the media are part of, some of them, are part of the white supremacist group. Did you notice that I said media? But historically, these groups rely on word-of-mouth notoriety to intimidate intended targets. Uh, They're only about according to the government report and according to the ADL and according to um, Southern Poverty Poverty, uh, Organization, about 25,000 Americans who are hardcore ideological activists for the white supremacist movement. And... When I did some research, there are about 200,000 people, a little over 200,000 people who subscribe to racist publications. They attend marches and rallies. They donate money. And there are probably around 100 hate lines in full operation with recorded messages and propaganda um, with hate-motivated speeches, and they're on YouTube, they're on the Internet, 
and 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 because of their increasingly sophisticated use of media and electron electronic technology um we we have to be more vigilant about what they do right now there are 150 independent white supremacist racist radio and television shows that air weekly and reach hundreds of thousands of sympathizers. So here we are, sitting straight up, not understanding the danger inherent in this kind of organizing. With an illegitimate president of the United States who has given them the call Stand back, stand by. What are we to make of... You can't call these people militia. Do not call them militia. Militia is some kind of other kind of organizing that is related to military operations. These people are domestic terrorists. And my concern is that many of us don't take it seriously. Uh, I was thinking about this just last week when um, when um, in in regard to my friend Luce. Uh, because she lives in a rural area uh, of Rhode Island. I have friends, one friend who's the mayor of um, Augusta, uh, Maine, living in a rural area of Maine. And we have a president who over a four, almost four-year period had been calling up, calling on, Having helping to organize through code messages white supremacy groups in this organ in in this country, and they began their civil war against black people three years ago. The president of the United States over the last three and a half years called 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 up for organizing under his banner of white nationalism ideology as a supportive framework of Make America Great Again. We are in the last two, we have in the last two years seen evidence of this kind of organizing. It is not new. Mercenaries were an important part of the Confederate action during the U.S. Civil War. We see it mostly in young white men who have gone rogue from their organized cells. Prime example is, I think his name is Kevin Kevin Rittenhouse, but it might be something else Rittenhouse, for instance. More, these are the ones that we see all over America, and I will say it again, white men and women 
You've seen the photographs. You've seen the images have joined white supremacist um, groups, um, both with the symbols of politics and militia, and they are becoming the responders to the call by Donald Trump's latest call, Keep America, the new one is Keep America Great. But, you know, the modern white supremacist groups, uh, they, they, um, they're not the ones who are using demonstrations and, and propaganda to, to sway public opinion and portray their ideologies as legitimate. They are, they're, they're racial elitism and ideologies have spurred affiliated individuals to become involved in violent altercations being planned in the dark. One such group just plotted to adopt a sitting state governor. And we need to know more and create an awareness and a safety net in our community about these groups. We know that this is the war of their fantasies. This is their Civil War 2.0. And if you think it can happen, that it won't happen, I'm here to highlight to you that it has already started. It's been going on for the last four years since he came down the golden escalator. And if you don't believe it, I want to remind you, Wilmington, Tulsa, Greenville, Rosewood, and if you don't believe those, then you're reading history from a fairy tale book. And you might want to go back and think through. I want to share this with you. Hey, Gio, thanks for joining us. Um, I see see you and Alpha are sharing popcorn. Good to see you tonight. Uh, I I want to share with you um, about how this has happened before. Because I think we need to uh, connect the dots. But I also think that one of the things we need to do is reinvent, re-engineer how we see it coming. And after this clip, I'll take your calls, 347-838-9852. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you for being with us tonight. For a long time, if you went to the library in Wilmington, North Carolina, there was one thing you weren't allowed to research. We were refused. We were rejected by the librarian. When I asked about or inquired about 1898, they wanted to know why. I was told that, yes, they had something, but they kept it under lock and key. The story of Wilmington in 1898 still isn't widely known. What happened here on what's now just this empty patch of grass would radically change racial politics in North Carolina. This is the story of an American election. 
but also of something we don't usually find in American history. The violent overthrow of a democratically elected government. In the late 1800s, Wilmington, North Carolina was the state's largest city. It had a majority black population, and historians today describe it as a rarity in the post-Civil War American South. Wilmington, prior to November 1898, was what the New South could be at the cusp of the 20th century. There was uh, an unusual degree of, of black prosperity. In Wilmington, there were successful black entrepreneurs, doctors, teachers, but also black elected officials. And for a time, that was true throughout the state. Take a look at the politicians on this poster of the 1889 North Carolina House of Representatives. Here at the bottom are black Republican representatives, some from Wilmington. North Carolina also sent four black Republicans to the U.S. Congress between 1875 and 1899. The Democratic and Republican parties of 1898 in many ways occupied opposite parts of the political spectrum than they do today. Most African Americans were voting for the Republican Party and the Democratic Party was white voters almost exclusively. White supremacy was the central focus of the platform for the Democratic Party. Republicans in North Carolina were successful in part because of a third party called the Populist Party made up of mostly white farmers fed up with the tough economic times. North Carolina populists joined up with Republicans to form what they called the Fusion Party. And in the elections of 1894 and 1896, the Fusion Party defeated the Democrats in sweeping victories statewide. That meant North Carolina now had a government that shared power between black and white politicians, including a newly elected Republican governor. Together, they moved towards reforms that would favor black Americans and working class whites. This was something that the Democratic Party folks were, not, were simply not going to accept. A multiracial government wasn't just a disappointment for Democrats. It was more like a humiliation. They needed a plan to take back control of the state in the next election. So party leaders like Fernifold Simmons, future U.S. Senator, Charles Aycock, future North Carolina governor, and this man, Alfred Moore Waddell, came up with one. To beat the fusion party by luring white populist voters away from their alliance with black voters. Wilmington, with a large black population and a local fusion government in power, would be a focus of their campaign. The State Democratic Party Handbook for 1898 laid out their goal, consolidate the white vote by stoking white anger and resentment. It said, this is a white man's country and white men must control and govern it. Their most effective tool was the media. One of North Carolina's biggest newspapers was a Democratic Party mouthpiece. It ran racist political cartoons throughout 1898. Not everybody was literate in 1898, but to see a political cartoon of the type that ran, you may not be able to read it, but you know exactly what it means. Many of the cartoons were centered on the threat of Negro rule, even though the fusion government was mostly white. They also played up another fear, Black men threatening white women became a theme. White men need to do all that they can to protect white womanhood. 
this was all part of North Carolina Democratic strategy, but it echoed the national racist rhetoric of the time. In one speech that Democrats printed in Wilmington paper, a prominent Georgia writer named Rebecca Felton said, If it takes lynching a black man a day to protect white womanhood, I say lynch. Her speech prompted a Wilmington black man named Alex Manley, owner of the Black Run Daily Record newspaper, to respond with a column. He made a simple observation that, at the time, was shocking. That white women who had liaisons with black men did so voluntarily and uh, enthusiastically. Manley wrote, Every Negro lynched is called a big, burly black brute, when in fact, many were sufficiently attractive for white girls to fall in love with them. Manley pretty much said, in a nutshell, sometimes white women choose to be with black men. Manley's editorial became another tool for Democrats. Newspapers reprinted it, called it a horrid slander, and ran comments about it on a daily basis. It was just a few months before the election, and white voters were angry. By the time the election rolls around on November 8th, um, black voters, Republican voters, had been thoroughly intimidated here. By all accounts, the elections of 1898 were a sham. The Democratic Party had a paramilitary group called the Red Shirts. They attacked and blocked black residents from voting. At a rally just before the election, Alfred Moore Waddell provoked the crowds. He said, Negro office holding ought at once and forever be brought to an end, even if we have to choke the current of the Cape Fear River with carcasses. The votes were counted and the Democrats won. Democratic candidates won every seat they had a candidate up for election in. But some local fusionist politicians remained in power because their seats hadn't been up for re-election, like the white Republican mayor and the board of aldermen. And of course, the election did nothing to undo the economic power black folks held in the city. The Democrats had won the election, but their goal of total white supremacist control remained out of reach. And so they engineered what was essentially a coup d'etat. The day after the election, at a gathering for white men in Wilmington, the Democrats unveiled a document called the White Declaration of Independence. It contained an ultimatum. Cynthia Brown, whose descendants were in Wilmington back in 1898, is a historian at her church where there's a preserved copy of the declaration from the next day's newspaper. We will no longer be ruled and will never again be ruled by men of African origin. They would strip black men of voting rights. They would give white men a large part of the employment heretofore given to black men. And as for Alex Manley, we demand that he leave this city forever within 24 hours. The next morning, hundreds of white men marched to the offices of the Daily Record. Manley was gone. He had fled to save his own life. They set the Daily Record building on fire. This is where it once stood. Once the white leadership destroyed Alex Manley's printing press, they destroyed one way in which the African-American community in Wilmington could organize itself and keep itself informed. At City Hall, the mayor and board of aldermen were forced out. There's 200 armed men in City Hall at the time. They didn't do it of their own free will. And as they resigned, a new member selected by the Democratic Party was 
voted into office. Waddell, who once threatened to fill the Cape Fear River with black bodies, was the new mayor of Wilmington. Meanwhile, the mob had grown to about 2,000 men and the violence spilled into the streets. In these photos, X's mark where the first black residents were killed. The stories are that they were dumped into the river um, and there are varying stories about how many people were killed. I see 40 to 60 clearly as fatalities as a result of the violence, but I think it was higher. Many black residents hid for days in the swamps and the wooded cemeteries in the city, including Cynthia's great-grandmother. And thousands of other residents fled Wilmington never to return. Shortly afterward, Democrats printed booklets celebrating a glorious victory, and in the newspapers depicted black residents as the instigators. This image is a gross misrepresentation of what actually happened during 1898. You know, what you see is African-American men with guns, not white men with machine guns. The city never regained its black majority population. Jim Crow laws, like literacy tests and poll taxes that prevented black people from voting, were immediately enacted, and Wilmington's spirit of black opportunity was crushed. Black political representation in the state was over. It would be 90 years until North Carolina elected its next black Congress member. Wilmington did a, a really great job of covering up a very dark path for a very long time. Over the years, the textbooks on North Carolina's history have struggled to accurately describe what happened in 1898. This one from 1933 says the situation was unfortunate for both races. And this one from 1978 doesn't have that much more detail. But they both praise Charles Acock, a politician who helped perpetrate the riot. They say he had a keen mind and a kind heart, and that, in fact, he was one of the best friends that the colored people had in the state. It's a legacy that North Carolina has yet to fully undo. The names of the perpetrators are on Wilmington school buildings and city parks. But the legacy is also bigger than those names. Turn on the news and the state's long history of political suppression echoes. To a strict new voter ID law in North Carolina. Racial gerrymandering and a push for new voting maps. The court says the Republican led legislature redrew congressional districts along racial lines, violating the Constitution. There's a tremendous amount of intimidation that is still felt by the black community. It doesn't have to be mass mayhem and violence in the streets. The strategy shifts towards designing state laws in such a way that you could exclude blacks from. Uh, voter participation. The subliminal uh, pursuit of continuing the white declaration of independence. And if you don't see it for what it really is, it can happen all over again. And now back to Our Common Ground. at some point in the historical lesson here are groups of citizens 
who are essentially white supremacists, who are now organizing public opinion to overthrow a government. So my question tonight, when we talk about homeland mercenaries, when we look at the abyss of the Aryan nations in Idaho, uh, when we look at the, the Proud Boys, when we look at all of these groups and understand that they are coming in the same form as the Ku Klux Klan using contemporary propaganda and and technology. Um, white supremacy groups pose a potentially, well, not potentially, a dangerous dilemma. Their hate orientation and racial rhetoric within their own sphere um, combined with uh, distorted but deep religious beliefs can cause serious disruption and, and a propensity to violence even among the people who uh, don't see it. They just know that somehow they need to make America great again. Our number is 347-838-9852 if you'd like to join in on this discussion. And one of the reasons that I pose the, the issue of homeland mercenaries is because white nationalism has some deep American roots and there's a long overdue excavation of the books, the ideology that Hitler called his Bible. And you can't you can't move away the president's rhetoric about shithole countries about making America great, it's all cold, and it invites dismissal as, you know, we get all excited about, oh, it's such cool talk. Like yesterday he was on, Friday he was on uh, the Rush Limbaugh show and laid out the, the F word bomb. But behind all of that lies ideas about whose power should not be their power should not be underestimated. Um, the concept of of white genocide is embedded in 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 the minds of a lot of Americans in this country right now, because we have a president, and you have these local groups uh, embedding that kind of uh, ideology and thought. Um, and these are people who think that they really are victims of white genocide, that um, all the black people are coming to take what they've got. And that's part of the racist ideology that the um, that they have. And, you know, in, uh, it's a, a vestige of racism 
that the great greatest generation did its best to scour from the earth, but it but it really didn't happen. And most Americans forget who <laughs> the great general um, um, Madison Grant was. He was the author of a 1916. 16 book called The Passing of the Great Race, which spread the doctrine of race purity. And we and and we have forgotten who Grant was, but not because the country has ever grappled with his 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 dangerous appeal. Uh, he came from old money. He was born in Manhattan seven months after Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant, the, the, the general. He was an outdoorsman, um, and he was also a person who um, adopted the language of race science in regard to 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 immigrants, uh, so we have to be really really clear that uh, this stand and um, stand back and stand by language from this president is uh, very important. Uh, our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two, and um, we're going to go um, and take your calls. This is an open mic night because I think it's important. I don't know how many people, uh, how many of you out there have become afraid. Um, you know, um Keith Oberman is back, and I am so glad that he is. And one of the things in his podcast that he said this week is that we cannot be driven by fear. We must be uh, driven by vengeance. (laughs) That's Alpho's guy. Alpho loves Keith Oberman, and I I do want to mention that on Wednesday night, Alpho did a very, very fine job of um, analysis uh, in general, about what's happening in our country. I mean, today, today, uh, your president had an event with he. They he said it was going to be two. They said it was going to be two thousand people, but I saw a photo and that wasn't. They didn't. They didn't even have six hundred people, and we're going to talk about that. On the on the other side of uh, of our break, um, and it was led by the pathetic, self-loathing, uneducated, homely, grifting, syncophanic, white supremacy apologist. Can I say more? Uh, Candace Owens, and it was called. A blexus, which meant that there were lots of black people at the White House today. But I think we misunderstand the history of the blexus. I, I think most people, most black people, don't don't know the history. 
Candace Owens didn't create Blexit. Blexit has been going on um, for for a very long time. Uh, I think it was during Blexit was um, um, hmm. I think Blexus has been around since um, Ronald Reagan. And if you don't understand what it is, it really is, um, it's a term to encourage black people to leave the Democratic Party. So it is a strategic movement toward black independence. And according to all these sources, it means black exit. That's why it's called Blexit. Blexit. B-L-E-X-I-T. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Our Common Ground. And when we come back, we'll take your comments and your calls at 347-838-9852. Thank you for being with us tonight because I think that we have got a lot of stuff to worry about. How do you wake up the entire African-American community to the hidden issue of mental health? It showed up in my life through one of my best friends. And we've been friends for over 30 years. One story at a time. If we would have known earlier, you know, we would have been more, much more supportive with her. Once I reached out to my sister, it got a little better. Once I told my mother, it got a little better. The more I talked about it, I felt it coming off. The healing is in me, and the healing in a journey can also be extended to others. It's our community and our mental health. Giving voice to what you're feeling is part of the healing. If you're strong enough to just open your mouth, that's all it takes. And the most revolutionary and healing thing that black people can do right now is to love one another. It's time to share ourselves. Healing starts with us. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Ad Council, and the Stay Strong Foundation. Drilling down, dealing direct. Hard-hitting, urban, progressive, political talk radio. It's the Alpha Show. The Alpha Show on TruthWorks Network, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. The president, he's got his war. Folks don't know just what it's for. Nobody gives us a rhyme or reason. Have a one doubt, they call it treason. We're chicken feathers all the way out wonder. God damn it, trying to make it real compared to what? Suck it to me. Real raw right now, real raw right now, talk media. I declare it. Fill my cup, put some nigga in it. Take a sip, sign the check. Real Raw Right Now Talk Media, I declare it. Money. 
Claire, Declare, real, raw, and right now. Raw and right now with India Declare. I'm Janice Graham. It's Friday night. Real raw right now with my decree. 10 p.m. Blog Talk Radio. I declare it. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Every 10 years, the census comes along and it seems like everyone I know always asks the same two questions. What is the census and why does it even matter? Let me give it to you straight. The census counts every single person living in America. An accurate count of our community tells us where there are more people. And where there are more people, there are more needs. Our participation could impact how public funding flows to our schools, health clinics, senior care, job training, and housing. It even determines our congressional representation. I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like the census matters to me. This year, take a little time for the 2020 census. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail, and make sure you count everybody you live with. Your mama, daddy, sweetheart, babies, roommates, everyone. This chance only comes every 10 years, so let's step up and be counted. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. You don't see this narrative coming as they force another jet fight. As they the best of political talkback, common sense, right from the concrete, urban progressive politics, politics, politics. At TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m., Alpha drills down deep the lies, the conspiracies in politics. It's just damn politics. The Alpha Show. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. Because I'm going to take you to the water and make you drink. Party, baby. Because the funk show will make you drink. Thank you for being here with us tonight at Our Common Ground. We're talking about homeland mercenaries. Stand back. Stand by. And we need to take that seriously because they are looking to make America great again. And you know what that means. I do want to mention to you that we are paying pouring uh, libation for Dr. Patricia A. Newton, Nana, um, an African-centered psychiatrist, traditionalist, elder, and our dear sister 
in honor of her passing and her life. Her spirit will live on eternally through the contributions that she has made um, to um, African Americans, black people, and Africans across the globe. Most notably, Dr. Newton founded the Black Psychiatrists of America, uh, and through that organization and her writings, appearances, and community outreach and international collaborations, Dr. Newton redefined how we look at black psychiatry. It was so sad to to learn of the loss of our Nana, and uh, I know that she is a worthy, worthy ancestor now. Dr. Newton was a part of this program since 1991. Also, I want to mention uh, to you that the clip that we heard about what happened in Wilmington, if you'd like to know more about that, we had a series of of, um, broadcasts. Uh, uh, starting in 2014, reaching all the way into 2016 on the film, Wilmington Burning. It was a film that was brought to us by Christopher uh, Everett, uh, historical author Larry uh, Rennie uh, Thomas, and um, there are a number of Our Common Ground uh, contributors who are part of the commentary of that film, and you can find that film at just by googling Wilmington on Fire. But um, all of the participants uh, in the film were our guests on January 18, 2014, talking about uh, the massacre of Wilmington that was featured in that clip. We're going to go to the phones, and our number is 347-838-9852. And our first call is 917. You're on the air. Thank you for your call. Hello, it's Michelle. Hey, Michelle, good to hear from you. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to to add the point. I'm not sure if you said it, but, uh, you know, Donald called Kamala a monster uh, after the vice presidential debate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're reading Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. And one of the things that she emphasizes in Pillar 6 is how important dehumanization is uh, to setting the stage for whatever it is um, you're going to do to people. And so, you know, you can think about it from a lot of angles, but certainly uh, in terms of uh, Trump's comments about Governor Whitmer uh, and and cities uh, can be seen as, as doing that kind of work 
setting the stage for the kidnap, lynching, and murder, whatever it is uh, these men were planning to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just wanted to add that point. Yeah, uh, thank you, Michelle, because it really is important for us to understand how the stand-by, stand-back cry by the President of the United States, how that evolves into these homeland mercenaries moving forward. It's a war call. It's a right. war call. And for those of you who have not read the book, we really recommend uh, that you do. The book is Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. And in the book, she sets up eight pillars of what holds up white supremacy. And mm-hmm. Michelle is reminding us that the sixth pillar is really related to the kind of rhetoric that is espou- that that is presented to the public and to those who who need to understand what it is they need to do in support of their white nationalism. It gives Let me them just read this short quote to you from Thank Pillar you, Michelle. Six. Uh, dehumanization is a standard component in the manufacture of an out-group against which to pick an in-group, and it is a monumental task. It is a war against truth, against what the eye can see and what the heart could feel if allowed to do so on its own. And, you know, I'm just also thinking about the vice presidential debate um, where with a straight face, uh, Mike Pence just spouted one lie after another. Um, just just straight up gaslighting. So, for example, um, I don't remember if it was Kamala or the moderator who said something about the stand back, stand by comment. And Pence said, no, he didn't. Yep. <laughs> no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. not a week ago, 70 million Americans heard that with our own ears. Um, but that's, that's just how, how bold this, this is, how, how we really have, we really are in a war around the truth. Mhm. We're we're in a war around the truth, but we're also in a war around the support of a, a, a criminal and corrupt regime. Yeah. That seems to be attractive to those who ain't got in yeah. celebration of those who do. You know, I I I am I'm I'm also reading a book about the celebration of arrogance. Mhm. Um and it is really true that we have a body 
of elected officials in this country uh, whose arrogance in in a quest for riches is astounding. It's just astounding. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, thank you, Michelle, for 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 bringing that to us. And the book is Cast C A S T E by Isabel Wilkerson. Yeah. And Michelle, please tell people how they can if they want to read the book and join the conversation in our book forum about it, how they can become a member. But you have to read um, the book. You have to read the book, and just on Facebook, look for the Global Black Feminist Reading Circle, um, and and from there you can see what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You need to send me a message, though, if you actually want to come into the conversation, and then I'll add you to our private group. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pleased to be a member, and um, it it uh, really is uh, an outstanding work. It really is. Thank you, Michelle, for your call. Okay. Um, and for being in our chat room, Michelle is always in the L. Michelle is always in the chat room, um, and sharing candy bars with Alpho and Geo and um and um sharing thoughts about what we're talking about with uh India Declare of Real Raw right now. Thank you, Michelle. Okay. See you later. Okay. Six four six, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Hey, I respect you too, Janice. Listen, condolences to your loss or the young lady. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much, Jay. You know, it, it really becomes quite frustrating, Janice, to listen to your radio hosts, not not necessarily you, but most of the radio hosts that I listen to, that just have some sort of weird feeling within their presentation that there's a form of fairness in regards to what's going on with this whole election and this process. And they feel if black people just go out there and vote, that they go get this fool out of office. I don't think so. I I, I just don't don't see it based on how the setup is being presented and about to be played out. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what Dr. Um, Iva says. Dr. Iva says, and she has been saying it for years, as long as I have known her, Dr. Iva Carruthers, is is not what happens in the White House that matters for black people. Yeah, but the, but Our, the reality... voting is one part of it, it, it and... and and we can only hope we can, you know, we keep doing what we're doing. We keep getting what we're getting. Yeah, but the reality, Janice, is black people don't have no plan if this guy gets back in office. It's like uh, you know, you're being used. Been, you're yeah, being set yeah. up. You're being homeweak. You're being bamboozled. You got all of these gatekeepers. I mean, I'm just going to keep it real with you. 
Al Sharpton, the Angela Rise, the Jason Johnson, all of them are nothing but gatekeepers. Because what becomes of them if Trump wins again? What, what message are they going to be able to present to the people knowing the fact that he's won or he will win by basically an illegal act backed by the highest court of the land? So yeah. whereby, what do you say? Because I see him winning through the Supreme Court. I don't think he's going to win the popular vote, just like he did in 2016. I think the way that he's manipulated the media is just atrocious. I mean, but I understand why the media does what it does, because that allows them to generate revenue. So I understand yeah. that. But the point of the matter is this. How people want to tell us to go out there and vote, 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 which is cool, but they don't want to take responsibility for the voter suppression that is in play. So I can't have them say to me and to black people, when this is all said and done, if you do get back in office, that what the Supreme Court did is cool, what the Senate did is cool, and the voter suppression that is involved, but you want to say that black people didn't come out and, and, and vote and support the so-called ticket. Can't play that game this time because some of us know better. And if we allow that to happen to us again, instead of holding these people accountable for what they're going along with and not putting forward the right narrative, that is wrong. The qu- the question really is how are we going to respond to the homeland mercenaries that's going to show up at the polls? How are we going to respond to what has happened with the U.S. Postal Service, where the in, the general postmaster uh, Louis DeJoy has donated seven hundred thousand dollars to the Trump campaign, and he has put into play the ability to totally corrupt the mail-in uh, ballot process. How That's are what we you're going supposed to, to be prepared for now. That's what you're supposed to have your so-called leaders behind closed doors and meeting, setting up an agenda. What are we going to do as a people when the fix is over instead of start crying and trying to figure out how they're going to protect their position in whiteness. So that, the bottom that is in, Jay, that is in an environment where black people are trying to concentrate on what are they going to do because they have no jobs and they're facing eviction, they're facing... Hey, Janice, these people on television don't care nothing about you not having jobs in the struggles that's going on. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm a landlord, okay? The only reason I'm being honest with you, the only reason I'm surviving and flourishing is because I'm connected with Section 8. I got friends of mine who were doing regular rentals in Airbnb that are in deep, deep trouble. I get a call basically twice a week, Janice, from somebody saying, could you bail me out? Can you help bail me out? I tell them no, because I told you 
I told you in the get-go about this game. You know what I mean? Because I lost my shirt at one time. And I said to him, whatever you do, instead of getting into the real estate investment game, you do strictly Section 8, or if they don't have Section 8 in your city, they got some sort of governmental program that's going to guarantee your rent. But they don't want to listen because they wanted to chase that money. Now they're in trouble. And there's so many people out there, BJ, that are about to lose their apartments, that's about to be homeless during the dead of winter, that a city that I live in, New York, is tough to get back in the office. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, well, here, what, is here that, is, what is the so-called leaders doing to prepare? Here is what's going on now. Can you... Jay, hold on for a minute. Here's what's going on now. The White House and and this administration is playing games with people's homes and lives, and and the moratorium has been challenged, and it's allowing landlords now to challenge the renter's declarative statements, creating opportunities for land. which would create uh, opportunities for landlord intimidation, and it shifts the burden to renters who have to get together the paperwork to prove they need assistance to stay housed during this pandemic. That happened this week. A guidance memo went, came out of the, the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development. So even yes. under the CDC, even under the CDC's protections, landlords and and they did they didn't they didn't um, suspend, but they're trying to revise the CDC eviction uh, moratorium, and it'll create these these new burdens for renters, and and they'll put gaping holes in Protection. Yeah. That was coming in December anyway because the moratorium in my state was until December. Now, I was always under the impression that they they're 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 changing the C D if the C D C changes the guidelines about the moratorium, it will only be the state governors who come forward to provide protection from the um, opportunities for landlords to evict people. Right. You know, it, that's, it, that's it, right. It, so, but, but, but here is, I know, Jay, you, these things are on your mind, but here is what we're also facing. We're facing, I'm, I'm talking about armed Fear, fears of armed people roving through our communities to stop people from voting and 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 to and to glorifying white supremacist strat- strategies from these um, uh, with these uh, um, organizations that he's calling up to be his what he called he called it the. Trump army. 
I know this, BJ, Janice. I'm very Today, aware of it. You know I, I spoke yeah, about it already yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm Jay, really, thanks for your, for your comment. But, okay, you stay safe. Uh, Jay is absolutely right. Um, nobody does have a plan. How, I, I mean, how many weeks do I come to this microphone and talk about how we protect ourselves? And, and it just doesn't seem that there is any any protection coming forward. You know, I was I was listening to it. And it's really funny because uh, I never would have thought in all the years that I have hosted our discussions that I would ever bring this person to comment about anything in America. But this is something Steve Schmidt. You know, and we have to be real careful. Uh, I know you all like the Lincoln Project because it's all about getting rid of Trump. But be very, very careful about why people are never Trumpers. There are Republican forces uh, in this Lincoln Project and other organizations that are Republicans who are never Trumpers, and that is because they have an interest in maintaining the Republican establishment. Our number is 347-838-9852, and after this, we will take your calls again. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. We should not trust them. I don't know that they won't try to do that, but there will be no Trump coup in this country, Joanne. The vice president is right. The legitimately elected president of the United States will be sworn into office on January 20th. But we have to talk about what happened last night, the blustering, the disgrace, the humiliation that we all feel as Americans watching this. None of that matters. is what happened at the end. Donald Trump gave a lock and load order to heavily armed paramilitary white supremacist militia organizations. Tim Scott knows that's exactly what he did. The white supremacist organizations are reveling in the support of the president today. They're celebrating it. Yeah. We know, we know that Donald Trump has said that an election where he does not win is an illegitimate election. We know that he has intimated that there will be violence if he loses. So there's no tripwire now between where we are and the edge of the cliff. The last thing that Donald Trump will ask his principless factotum in the United States Senate and the United States House to do with him is stand shoulder to shoulder and to deny the legitimacy of a vote and the popular and sovereign will of the American people. He will ask them to cross the line and act as enablers for an autocratic regime. He will ask them to end the American experiment. And every one of these people should not be trusted because we're at the last line. If Tim Scott, an African-American Republican United States senator, cannot plainly and clearly, and what Donald Trump said last night and denounced it unequivocally, the party is lost. 
If Susan Collins looks at that debate and the analysis is, well, they were rude on both sides, are you kidding me? Not one of these people, not one of them, not one time took to the floor of the Senate, went to the Oval Office, did anything when they knew Trump was lying yep. to the country about COVID. They yep. knew how dangerous it was. Yeah. And now they stand idly by in complicit silence yeah. as Donald yeah. Trump threatens the foundations of American democracy, the right to vote. It is shameful. It is despicable. And soon they will be asked to cross the Rubicon, yeah. a place yeah. from which there is no return. Yeah. And we yeah. are in for it in this country over the next 40 days, prepare for chaos. But we, the American people, will not surrender our sovereignty to the Trump family and his Senate enablers. Yep. No way, no how, and that's what we do about it. And now back to Janice. And so, you know, this is Steve Schmidt. He was a campaign manager for uh, McCain. And so you have these Republicans who understand the dangers to this country He is one of the leaders of the Lincoln Project. But we have to also ask, what do they want? I asked the same thing about, what's the name of that lady that uh, is on MSN, Michelle, whatever, uh, George or whatever, um, uh, who worked in the Bush administration. We have to be very, very careful But on the other hand, who do we have organizing the strategies to keep us safe in our communities? I know that there is a civil war going on in this country, and you should know that. You know, if you if you really want to understand it, I'm telling you, Michelle, well, El Michelle was right on it. You got to understand the eight pillars that Isabel Wilkinson um, um, presents in her book Cast. We're going to go to the phones. Seven seven three. Thank you for your call. This is our common ground. I respect you. Good evening, Janice, and how are you this evening? Okay, Alpha, you had a wonderful show on Wednesday night. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Uh, Janice, there's one day in Denver when uh, clashing uh, protesters exchanged uh, verbal spars and one shot the other. There's one dead, and there are two arrested. They've recovered two guns. Now, the one thing that's in common with all of this are the guns. Uh, As far as a plan, there is no plan. We can't expect for one of these talking heads on television to have a plan for the aftermath if Donald Trump continues in power. This thing about um, the uh, Lincoln Project, I said, I said last week to be very worried about them. 
Because they're simply Republicans with no place to go. They can't go home. They can't go back to the norm. Nicole Wallace is the woman you look you're thinking of. Oh yeah, Nicole Wallace, yeah. And what what makes her what separate there's nothing that separates her from people like Morning Joe, who all of a sudden is a raging Trump critic. Once he's found once he's found out that Trump has sold him a bag of goods, all of them a bag of goods. We can you can absolutely guarantee that there is no strategy behind November third. There's no strategy for us because no one is uh meeting with that thought in mind. Uh you've noticed the um the mindless complicity of people like Nancy Pelosi. Uh, you know, the first two uh, bailouts, I'll call them bailouts, for this COVID, uh, $2 trillion and $4 trillion, something like that. Uh, there was money in there for the big businesses and the rich, the airlines. And now that that money has run out for the airlines, now and only now are they talking about uh, pouring more money into it. And it can only be when the people in need, the rich that are in need, are willing to settle for socialism. This is government socialism for the rich. And we cannot get caught up in the old uh, Democrats ain't doing nothing for us. One thing is for sure. There's nothing that will be done for us if Donald Trump continues in office. That's, that's one thing for sure. You're, 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 that's a surety. Uh, and what we need to be in, in terms of our plan, you know, I asked the question – how many times in the last three, four months? Um, well, I'm always asking the question, and this is why I, I thought that we need to have, I need to do more open mics, is because I, I just don't see a plan. Well, there a is plan, no plan. You can't, you what can't is the plan? You know, what's the, the currency of our political power? How how are we spending it? Well, you know, today I, I, today, um, and you can um, you can you know, they had these attendees at the White House event where they gave money the Republican Party, the Trump Party, the whatever they call it party gave Candace Owens, who was a speaker at this event, on the White House lawn, uh, which was a clear violation of the Hatch Act, and they paid for most of the black attendees, which they called the Blexit, and that's the... uh, uh, Exit from 
is a strategic movement toward black people having, they say, having some independence as um, um, as black people in politics, independence from the the Democratic Party. And they all wore blue shirts. If you if you attended, if any of you out there who attended that event. Uh, at the White House today, you had to wear the blue shirt, which said Blexit. And I'm not sure how crazy these people are that they're going to think that this is going to somehow uh, migrate black voters to vote for Trump. But getting back to the plan, we don't have a plan. Well. We don't have a plan in front of of Joe Biden that says it's this or it's nothing. Because our currency, that's one thing I can say about these Blexit people, our currency, our political currency is undervalued. It's only valuable if you cast your vote, as Jay said, if you cast your vote. For the Democratic ticket And I'll ask you and by, Yeah Who else what? are you going to cast your vote with Yeah I mean But one of the things I did think about During the debate During the vice presidential debate Was when the fly hit um, Mike Pence's head I said oh oh Alpha just fell out of his chair <laughs> well, you have to admit, you know. Well, and, and you know, my my mind was racing because it was easy. It was it was low hanging fruit? Is down there where the goats can get it, as Mister Black Eagle says. You know, those those are those are the easy jokes. You know, fly yeah. to yeah, wrong, you know. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's a, it's all a matter of. You are now in a position, after black people saved him, for him to gather his feet up under him, stand up strong, placate us with a black vice president, a woman, and I don't think she's any token or anything like that because she's very intelligent and people might you know, think about what happened 26 years ago in in, in California when she was the uh, attorney general. And well, you you, could, you should have brought that up before now. So all of that should have played mm-hmm. out before, just like Biden yep. to crimes like All of that should have he should have been squashed out before now. Yeah. But now that yep. he is. You go back to that. You go back to that. You are a loser. You will yep. lose yep. if you do yep. not look forward and say to yourself that BS that happened 26 years ago. We can deal with that after we get this clown out of office. Now, I and frankly, I don't give a damn who believes that or not. I'm simply saying you get nothing. You get nothing if you don't get him out of office. Well, 
Uh, well, you know, Alpha, I have to argue the point uh, that uh, of you get nothing. What you get is ten times more of the same that you're getting now. You get nothing. And that's what I say, you get nothing. You get nothing you want. Of course, you're going yeah. to get all the things you're getting now, but you get nothing that you want. Yeah. And if, when people can't come to that conclusion, I, I'm just, I'm lost. I'm done. I'm, I'm like, uh, well, you've meandered down the road you want to walk on, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just the way I look at but sure. I hear you, and I hope people will join Alpha on Wednesday night on TruthWorks Network, Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Alpha, thanks for your call. Thank you. 612, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. Yes, good evening, ma'am. How are you doing? I'm good. That's great. Thanks for taking my call. Um, are, are you able to talk to people who have, like, a different perspective than you, or is that you able to do that, or is that going to be a problem? Well, see, you started with the bullshit already, and I'm not for the bullshit. You got comments? Make your comments. Okay, because I only say that cause I'm an independent, and whether you talk to conservatives or liberals, if you could bring a point they disagree with, people just explode on you, and they, they can't tell me. That's why I say that's why I totally start the political discussion. But I'm a black independent. I, just make your comment, okay, and so, uh, I'll, I'll respond or don't respond. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I appreciate it. Um, I was going to say about this upcoming election, I find it fascinating that we seem to be repeating 2016 all over again, where a lot of the same scenarios seem to be playing out the exact same way. You know, everything uh-huh. from, if you think about, like, how Trump's had a really bad week the last week, it's almost like a repeat of when the Access Hollywood tape came out. You're hearing Republicans are jumping ship. The polls are breaking, but then again, we got this candidate on the Democrat side who's like, this is like Hillary Clinton 2.0, a person that's part of the establishment, that's kind of a centrist, that has a lot of political baggage, maybe some questionable corruption questions on the table, and it's like it's it's the whole thing is played out exactly the same. And everyone's got this perception that Biden is going to win, and now you throw in the unrest and the tension that's in the country. Congress is about to pass another two trillion dollars, you know, stimulus bill potentially, and the currency literally could collapse. It's not going to happen, sir. Not before. Well, the they're election. pretty close now. Now Trump and the Republicans just moved up to one point eight. Nancy Pelosi said they're down to two point two. She said they're not going to go below two. So if you look at it, two trillion splits the difference. If the, if the Republicans are at one point eight, Dems at two point two, they're going to meet at two. Because at this point, Trump's desperate because you saw what happened last week when he tweeted mm-hmm. about walking away from the table and then the stock market just, just went into the toilet. He panicked, mm-hmm. and now that's why he's, you know, that's why the Republicans are back at the table. But they'll they'll meet that too. The issue I'm more concerned about is they just spent about $4 trillion just last spring. And so we're talking about within a six-month window, the federal government's spending about six, you know, almost $6 trillion worth of money that the Federal Reserve has got to print. Now, when you consider the fact that globally, many nations are now considering no longer using the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency, and you've got a group of nations discussing whether or not to even buy oil with the U.S. currency anymore, switching to gold or another currency, 
I just think of the dollar as extremely in a shaky situation right now where we could be witnessing hyperinflation, you know, before the end of this, this winter, before even January, even December, heck, even by November, if they pass this thing now. And and I just, as an immigrant myself and coming from countries that have dealt with inflation, I, I've seen this story happen before, and I'm worried that I don't think a lot of Americans are aware of it or know what could happen if that kicks in. And uh, it's it's really concerning to me, and I just I don't see the media talking about it. People I, I meet at work and just in general public, and you know, I travel around a lot, and it just seems like most people in America are like oblivious to it, like it's not even an issue. And I don't know if you've well, I don't think people are people oblivious to it. I think that people um, uh, simply see no other option. Um, you know. <clears throat> We have lived through recessions in the past, and one of the reasons that our our national debt is so high at this point is because of a tax scam that um, Donald Trump pushed through in 2016. Um. Well, the, the national know, you, debt was high before Donald Trump. It's, it's been like this yeah, it was high before, but it was it, it was a comfortable high, and it was not out of um, you know. But I, I don't think we have any other. What do you options. mean by comfortable high? What does that mean? What I mean by comfortable high is it it wasn't uh, out of the management range where we have where we have dealt with it before. You've been, you you've been north of 20 trillion for debt, like you, almost eight years. That's not a problem? But, you don't think that's a problem? But, but let, me, let me explain to you that in a democratic society, you don't sacrifice people for, for what? managing the nat- national debt. When you have but, a te- when you have when you have a capitalist corporate system that's draining right. that's draining the national coffers, you don't do that. Okay. What do you mean draining the national coffers? The, the national coffers are tax dollars, right? It's not exactly. Like, like the government doesn't make exactly. So that exactly. that's money that the government is taking from the American people. So, so, so the net- okay, let me ask you a question. Ask you a question. Were you yes, in support of the tax cut that Donald Trump implement, implemented for the 1%? Are you well, even in support? Are you even in support of Donald Trump who paid $750? Well, if you're in asking me about the tax cut, I, I benefited from the tax cut myself. You don't have to be in the one percent. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Then that's the answer. You, that's didn't, the you answer. didn't get any tax cuts. We can't continue. We just can't continue to sacrifice people because other people want to get rich. Well, people don't like paying taxes. I mean, you like paying taxes. You know why I like paying taxes? When I pay my share, it means. 
that children in America get a chance to have a, a, a mediocre kind of education as opposed to a really bad one. Are it means serious? that, yes. You know that America spends more money per student per capita than almost any other country on the planet? You do and, know it, that, right? and it buys you and it buys you mediocre mediocrity in your public schools. But you know and, what and I don't like. So, you know so what I don't like. I don't like that the president, that the CEO of Amazon pays no taxes. You know what I, I don't like. I agree with that. 100%. I don't like. Okay, so there you have it. Um, but that, that's that's but, the exception. But you know, you benefited from it, and 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 90%, 99% of the citizens in America didn't benefit from it. So do you not pay taxes? I mean, what do you what do you mean? Well, what I pay taxes. I pay taxes. Right. So I, I'm I'm not in the one percent, and I and and I got a I got a tax cut. I, you don't have to be in the one percent to get a tax cut. Well, I, to well, most people didn't tax. get the tax cut. Most people didn't get uh, money from the, the the Heroes Act. Most people didn't. So by the Heroes so you Act, live, you're talking about the stimulus check, or are you talking about the pay the protection stimulus program? Check. You didn't get a stimulus check. Nope. Well, nope. did you did, did you sign up with the IRS? It. Did you did you sign up for either direct deposit or let them know? I wasn't eligible, sir. I wasn't eligible. Why? Because well, you make more than ninety nine thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Also, then, then you don't need a stimulus check if 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 you're making if you got a six figure exactly. Salary, you don't need a and check. and the thing is that in this country we should not be sacrificing people for corporate greed. That's what I'm saying. But so you, but nobody in America, America has has more social programs than most countries on the planet. I mean, the only countries you can and, point to that more would be like Canada and some of the Scandinavian countries. But if you compare, for example, the most of the world, like so what, where would you rather you live as a poor person? Do? What do you want the country to do? Is it either debt feeding the the corporate system or debt feeding people who are in in food deserts and hungry? Well. I, I agree with you with when your main critique when you talk about the fact that in America what I don't like is that the rich have their version of socialism with these bailouts. I don't think these companies should That's be right. bailed out at That's all. That's right. And, and so if they fail, the they should be let debt, The national debt in this country is because there is a bailout to the rich and corporations. I got to go, um, okay. but thank you oh, for thank your you, call. Thank you, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, Okay, bye-bye. Uh, somebody's calling back. 773. <laughs> you know, Janice, it tickles me when I hear people come on and declare themselves to be independents. Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump has increased the debt by $17 trillion. That's not me. Those are the statistics. Now, when you sit around and someone calls up and talks about not wanting to pay taxes or not liking to pay oh, taxes, I don't think I don't think he was saying that. I don't think he was saying that at all. Well, I'm suspicious of him, just the same, because 
These taxes. You have to go with what people say, Alpha. You just. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but, I well. But here's the point. I go with what I believe. I go with what I believe. The, I do not the, believe the, that. I, the, 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 the party that's in power right now created the debt, the national debt that he's uh, that he re- yeah, that but, he's referencing. Yeah, but then he wants to gaslight us with. This is the same as 2016. No, it's not, because Trump got a record now. Trump has a record. And if he calls himself an independent, with he must be okay with children in cages. He must be okay with Muslim bans. He must be okay with bribing foreign Well, the only argument he brought was the, 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 I, I mean... The thing is that we have so allowed so many administrations to to distort the nature of the of the democracy that we seek that people have gotten it, uh, gotten it um, confused. Okay, well, also just like George Bush, just like George Bush, George Bush didn't pay for the sins. Of a lie into war, he didn't pay for the sins of torture, and Donald Trump isn't paying for his sins either. And we can well, look the other way as long as we want, but as long as there's no consequences, and you know, and, and, and the, the the violations of the emolument, and I'm telling you all, you need to follow the money on the drugs that they said that they gave. Donald Trump, because I'm still not falling for it. I, I hope those of you who were with us last week, I'm still not falling for it. I am well, not. Fa- I, does, I, think it's, I think it's a political sham that's going on Janet, right before our eyes. Walter Janet, Reed he took control. The, he took control of the information. That's what he does. He takes control of information. And he doles out the information. He wants the American people to hear and believe. Whether or not he has COVID, it will be another tale. But once he's basically gotten this this gimmick over on the American people, if he gets back in office, then people will be sitting around shaking their heads. Yeah, as but I don't think the caller was calling in, calling in support of uh, one candidate over the other, and that is a problem because the problems that we face require Americans to make choices. Alpha, got to go. Got another call. Thanks for sticking, staying with us here. Six one. Six one two, you're on the air. Six one two. Yeah, I was the one that you just spoke to. Uh, just a second oh, okay. Ago. I'm sorry. I thought you. But if I could be allowed you... to respond to Alpha, because he kind of came on and just started accusing me of a bunch of things. Okay. Okay. You got two minutes. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, wanted, I just wanted to say, this the part of the reason why I'm an independent is this is is the fact that both sides are hypocritical and they don't see each, their own flaws. They point out. Oh, something I don't, the I don't think anybody. Do. I don't think anybody who's listening uh, doesn't understand that we're talking twiddly d and twiddly dumb. Right. 
Because he mentioned the children in cages thing, and I'm like, when I hear that, it just blows my mind. Because it's like, did he care or at all when that was happening in 2014? I'm sure he probably didn't even know it was happening. And that's well, it wasn't happening in the. It wasn't happening in the. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, I am neither. Uh, advocate for the Democratic Party or any particular no, administration or whatever. Him. Okay, but but here here's here's the point. It didn't happen in the same way. The Obama administration was detaining families. And no, I'm talking about how they treated the children that came across the border. Like, I went down there with volunteers and was helping some of the kids. We saw how they were being treated. They were sleeping on the floor with aluminum sheets. A lot of them were in cages. They were barely being fed adequate food. They weren't getting adequate hygiene. I don't they believe that. I don't and, buy and it. And the national media did not care. I don't no, well, buy you don't it. have to buy it, man. This is a fact. You can look it up and check for yourself. No, it's not the point a fact. Is that it is people not only a cared fact. now. They only cared now when they wanted to use it for political purposes. They don't actually care about the children. They don't actually care about. Oh, oh, you're you're talking about doing the do, doing the uh, Trump administration. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I'm not I talking about you, you personally. Trying... I'm talking about the political. Oh no 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 no. I thought you, you know... were talking about the detention centers that oh, were. Oh no no no. Uh, you, I'm talking oh, about. You remember when the, the kids Obama were coming on the train? No no. I'm talking about when the kids with the unaccompanied minors that were coming to the border. Remember in 2014, there was almost nearly 100,000 that came? I'm talking about how those kids were treated when they got here. Okay? I well, it's America. I went down there. They were they were it's, treated like trash. And the media turned a blind eye. Most people could care less. They only care now because it's, it's a way to attack Trump. They don't actually care about the issue. They don't care about the kids. If 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 we have Hillary Clinton, I, I have to right disagree now, with and you. The same thing I happened? have to disagree with you. I have to disagree really? with you. How come because nobody said anything I did, in No, you're you're wrong. You're you're absolutely wrong. I don't know what media you if, you know. Oh, they didn't so, care so about you, it. At you Fox brought it up in 2014. You talked about it. Absolutely. You talked about how the kids absolutely. Are being absolutely. Absolutely. And were you critical of the Obama administration when that happened? Absolutely. Okay, then if that's the case, I give you respect. And, 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 and but let let's me, be honest, let me, ma'am. Let me say, most let me people say can this. do that. Let me say this: there was there was a there was a processing system problem under the Obama administration. But T- the, tell me about the, it. The, the, wait a minute. The the illegal human rights that were violated with families. Right. Under the Trump administration was absolutely evil, and it was not it's, it's only been the it wasn't same a thing system problem. It's not a system problem. It was there's, a there's no difference, problem. Man. They do the same there's thing. There's a new they report that just care. came out. There's a new report that just came out from the Inspector General on on yesterday or today, and you should read it. I don't give yeah, a but I'm, damn. What, what I'm saying is that I don't they, give a the, damn. the Democrats was, and the Republicans are exactly the same. It's just that there's still people in America that play this cheerleading game, and they try to act like their side is good, the other side is bad. They're both corrupt. They're well, both sir, a bunch of liars. The They're things, in it for themselves. The they don't things, care about us. One of the things we come down to is is in this country every time is the least of the evil. Got to go. Thanks for calling back. Okay, thank you. 
Um, you know, uh, I, I do want to mention that there was a new report from the Inspector General of the Department of uh, Homeland Security. And, sir, one of the things I want you to know, you're not talking about, you're not talking to someone who doesn't know how the federal government operates. But this is a disgraceful, evil administration that has made these things systemic. There are now 3,000 children who came through over the border with their families, and they were separated, and now those children cannot find their families. Thank you for uh, joining us tonight, and thank you all for all of your calls, Jay and 612 and, and Alpha and all of the participation by Geo and Real Right. Real Raw right now, and uh, El Michelle uh, in our chat room. We hope that you will join um, the Alpha Show on Wednesday night at TruthWorks Network. Uh, I do want to say that we are revising an old uh, program that we did here at Our Common Ground because I'm real concerned about people having the facts. So we are going to be revising, reviving Power Views uh, on TruthWorks Network, which is Listen to Liberate, Listen and Learn Liberation Radio. I won't be talking, there won't be any commentaries, uh, but it is how you learn the facts. It is history, it is information that you need to understand what is happening in front of you. Please stay safe. Uh, please um, engage. Please expand your understanding, your your knowledge. Join us on Facebook at OCG Talk Radio. Join us at Twitter at Janice OCG. I'm becoming quite a Twitter person. And um, subscribe to our website, ourcommonground.com. Also, we have a talk forum, which is members only. And if you go into that, if you become a member, you can set up your own forums, you set up your own channel, you bring your friends. Thanks for being with us, and thanks to our callers and our chatters tonight. And we'll see you next Saturday. so much for joining us here at our common ground tonight we'll see you right here 10 p.m on our common ground next saturday i'm janice grant and i'll be listening for you in the purple rain
come.